to episode number eight of the Awkward In Between podcast. It's a podcast where we explore some of those awkward in between uh, places we find ourselves in lives, particularly coming, I guess, from the perspective of you and I, Dave, as white, middle aged, middle class, privileged, yeah, male presenting individuals, <laughs> one of us more straight than the other. One of us. <laughs> and, um, but we've had some great conversations so far um, in this podcast, exploring that kind of place and giving ourselves permission to be able to go, well, what are some of the tools and the questions that we have that help us to navigate the world that we find ourselves in, in a way that will help us to become more uh, loving and open and compassionate, and understanding and empathetic. Absolutely. Can I just say, whoever thought we'd get to like eight episodes? And I listen to a lot of podcasts and hear people be like, oh, it's episode 86. That's amazing. I'm like, episode eight? That's incredible. I mean, my my track record of committing to stuff is not often not very good. So the fact that we've managed to get to eight. Well, okay. But you've finally come good, Damo. We've been laughing for weeks, eight so far, by my reckoning, I assume, about the fact that uh, the Awkward In Between podcast has essentially been the uh, journey through Dave's uh, address book, uh, friends list, and uh, (laughs) finally, finally you've stepped up. (laughs) I have. I have stepped up. We are sitting in my lounge room this evening. Uh, We're about to crack open some beers. We'll get to that As we do. Yes, nice. That is something we also enjoy in this podcast. Yeah, let's introduce our guest tonight. Um... Anthony Bishop is his name. I met Anthony because you know, I was just floating around music circles in Brisbane. Anthony happens to be a musician, so we kind of met at a, a music venue at one point in time. Um, and then also just in getting to know Anthony, I then discovered that he's also very much into politics, which I take a, a loose interest into mm. myself. Um, but surprisingly, I think what really sparked interest is that Anthony was someone who was quite aligned with a, a right-wing type party, and I generally yeah. find myself as a musician and the other musicians I hang with tend to be more on the left. So that straight away sparked curiosity. It's understatement for me. of the week, but right. yeah, <laughs> is, is I want to understand more about why it is that you know you've aligned yourself with a right-wing party. What it is that yeah, and so straight away there was a, almost like a, an awkward in between being a leftist person then coming into someone who's aligned to the right and going well. I'm now curious about what that experience is like. And then as I've got to know Anthony a bit more on top of that as well, I've discovered that he has, despite also being a fairly white male presenting middle class Australian, um, also has connections with a whole bunch of other you know, circles and spheres mm. outside of the typical white male middle class that. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, anyone who's been listening along so far will know a lot of our conversations, uh, as was fairly natural, I guess, with uh, my friends list and my background as not just a middle-aged white guy, but also a, a, a X, shall we, X-ish uh, evangelical slash Pentecostal Christian. A lot of the conversations we've had have floated around uh, spiritual spaces, uh, religious spaces, and who knows, we might go there tonight as well. I have no idea, <laughs> we, but we certainly very well. we very, very well. There you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's it's great to, to be able to explore some of these other awkward in between spaces because really what we've come to realise is that that church thing is really just one of those spaces. And I have obviously just met. Uh, five minutes ago, so I'm 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 coming in dry, no research. Uh, so it's going to be a very different kind of conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be great. So Anthony, let's dive straight into the like the political sphere. And, and while you do, I'm going oh, to yes. pour beers. To, well, tell us about the beer you're pouring. Okay, well, you 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 brought these ones tonight, well, so do. I'm going to read straight off the can. That's what we do. We are uh, drinking a Newstead, which is a Brisbane brewery, great Brisbane brewery. Uh, it's a Dogma Oaked Double. At eight percent, a Belgian double. So yeah, I just think let's have a go. Called Dogma was going to fit in really well with some of those spiritual awkward spaces yeah. that we had been uh, diving into. And, it, and double is spelled D-U-B-B-E-L. Double, yeah. Yeah, yes, I suspect there's a fancy pronunciation. Absolutely. So, what, yeah, I mean, one of the things that sparked off interest, you know, beyond just the musical side of stuff between the two of us was politics. Politics. And I know you and I have had that conversation, but I'd love for you to just to share a bit more about what is it about, you know, the Conservative Party or, the, you know, the Conservative Party here in Australia that, um, yeah, that I guess – Drew you to that side of politics. Which, confusingly, for our foreign listeners, which we do have some of, by the way, mm. uh, is called the Liberal Party. But yes, uh, yes. anyway, moving so, on. So we, we, we can use small L and big L if we need to. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, yeah, no, my, my involvement in the Liberal Party only started about five or six years ago. So um, 
I developed new pharmaceutical drugs for a living. And so lived in Singapore and, and Malaysia um, doing that. While we were living in Singapore, we adopted our youngest son, Dorigo, from the Philippines. Wow, okay. And, and so that was, that was a whole process. Um, and when we got back, we realized that he was lucky to be born in the Philippines and not Queensland. Specifically because in Queensland there's zero adoptions. Mm. So no matter what the circumstance, mm. the, the adoption's not an option here. Um, so that led us to, my, my wife and I, to kind of look around and um, the LNP had policy that, that promotes permanency for children. It's 12,000 mm. children in what's called out-of-home care, which is a euphemism for foster care yes. and then the modern version of orphanages, which is called residential care. And residential care is no rules till the police are called. It, it, it's it's just a it's just a, a an NGO will rent a house. The kids stay mm, in the house, mm, and, yes. and somebody cooks the meals. But there's there's no, um, and and we all know that children need discipline to grow up to be good adults. Mm. And in in that out of home care, foster foster carers aren't the guardians of the children. The department remains the guardian, so the discipline's very difficult there. Anyway, so we, we uh, my wife noticed that uh, the LNP had better policy on that, so she went to a meeting and then I went to a meeting and um, I'm the kind of person who just sticks my hand up. <laughs> we need somebody to do this. And I went, well, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and literally the, the, the amazing thing about politics here in Australia, that's the only place I've been involved in politics, so I don't know about elsewhere, is that from that first putting my hand up to being kind of really heavily involved across the life of the party um, was quite quick. And I'm, so I'm now the, the, the branch chairman for, for my area and I'm on some policy committees. And, and, but it's all, it's all to drive that change in the way we, we deal with the children who can't go home to mum and dad because there's too much neglect and abuse. Mm. It's all, but to, 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 to move that needle you need to get involved. Yeah. Mm. So that, 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 that's where it comes from. And then, you know, on the more conservative side of things, um, you know, I'm a personal responsibility guy. Um, mm -hmm. But again, coming from a place where I've, you know, had parents who valued education and um, I, I took advantage, I was able to take advantage of that and um, had a professional career and I play in bands and, you know, so I've I've got a bunch of things going on in my life. So so you know, it's from from that perspective that that um, you know I, I'm sure I'm uh, I'm sure I'm a personal responsibility guy mm, <laughs> sure. in the end. And do you find for yourself in that sphere? Because um, obviously, and I think that's you know exactly that's part of the reason why I started getting more interested in politics is that idea of well. You can sit there on the sideline and you can whinge about how lousy the system is and how everything's going wrong. Or you can put your hand up and go, well, you know, maybe if I actually get involved in a party, I can maybe have some sort of influence that determines policies and things and might actually make some change around the place, which I think is a great reason to get involved. How do you find when you're being involved in a political party, particularly one that may be really good on one issue but on other issues that you might have a difference of opinion on, does that create, I guess, awkward in between spaces? For yeah, it, fairly frequent. Or? It 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 does. They're, they're not they're not as awkward um, when you realise that all politics is compromise. Mm. So I, you know, I mean, I'm a I'm a Republican, for example. Yeah, I'd give up Republicanism in a moment to affect the lives of some of those kids. Yeah, if, if somebody said you can be a Republic or you can get two thousand of those kids into permanent second families. Mm. So, so mm. everything's a compromise. Everything, everything in life, people, people, people underestimate how much everything's a compromise. Okay, so I'm really interested in that story because it seem it it, it seems like it, it essentially what I would call a justice issue mm. that has drawn you into politics and and towards um, the side of politics, which like Damien, gonna... I've I look I have voted that way my entire life out of habit. Mm. To be honest, raised in a conservative Christian mm. home. Uh, and have leaned away from that side of politics more in recent years, as a lot of my beliefs mm. have changed, and, and more you know beliefs about what things I think are more important than other things. And in this case, there's this particular issue that is obviously you feel very passionately mm. about. It's essentially a justice issue, 
um, and it's drawn you to a party that, for me, is at odds with a lot of the things that the justice type issues mm. and care issues um, that I've cared about over the years, the climate, refugee yeah. policy, other things that have really pressed my buttons mm. and how I've voted and and uh, leaned in in recent years. Do you find you you said that you know politics is compromise? Mm. But I find that for a lot of people, it's not compromise. <laughs> um, um, it, it can be for for many people, like no, this is this is my party, and that's what they stand for. Therefore, that's what I stand for. Yeah, I I also grew up in a, a conservative Christian yeah, right. environment, mm-hmm. um, Seventh Day Adventist. To, yeah, to, right. to nominate the the particular mm-hmm. brand, um, and um, yeah, as I as I played piano in church. Mm. I, I was I was the precocious piano player, and my whole church life revolved around piano. And then when I got to, you know, later teens, I, my my musical taste started to change a little, and the congregation wasn't quite coming with me. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and and so I, I got to sit and watch church for bits, you know, for a bit, and 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 that that sort of just led me away. Really, um, I, I didn't find any anything there that mm. that that, um, that spoke to me. I suppose. Um, and, and one of the things I wrote down on my list of things, if we got stuck mm. was, was the idea of fundamentalism mm. Yes, because fun- fundamentalism, I, I'm, I'm against fundamentalism in all its forms. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a, a, I've got a scientific background. I, 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 you know, don't believe in the supernatural particularly cause I don't see good evidence for it. Mm. I've, I'm not impossibly against the idea that there could be, but, mm-hmm. um, would describe myself as an atheist. Yep. So, so that, that puts me in another, in, that, that puts me in a bigger in-between space in, in my political circles. Yeah. Than, right. Than, yes. Um, but, but people, people accept that. I mean, we're, we're, a, Australia's an incredibly tolerant country. Mm. Um, and, and so everybody just tries to get on as a first pass at, at what they're doing. Um, but there's plenty of issues where the where the right and left in Australia are, are actually closer than people would think. So on, on renewable energy, Australia's got one of the highest implementations of renewable sources of energy in the world. Mm. Now, mm. if you listen to political rhetoric, <laughs> you, you, that would be impossible to, to even sort of think about or understand. Um, so, you know, Australia's doing pretty good compared to everywhere else in the world. Um, that's one of the, 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 key, the key lessons I learned from living overseas so long is compared to where are we, whatever the criticism of Australia, and that, that's a you know, long-term criticism or a short-term criticism or a structural criticism or a criticism about our culture, mm. where, where are we worse off compared to where? You know, mm, people, mm. people, people tell me, oh, our health system's terrible. Yeah. You go try live in Malaysia. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, that, that's a place I've lived. I, I understand the way that the dynamics of the health system there. Um, you know, it's pretty good here. Yeah. Um, mm. you, you go to the US, it's pretty good here. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, there's literally, there's, there's literally a handful of countries in the world that have anything like the standard of living Australians enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, 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 that transcends politics by a long way, I think. Definitely. And that's probably a good question too, is to how much does the standard of living that we have here in Australia, because you're right, it's pretty good. Mm. How much of that do you think then isolates us and blinds us from, um, or, you know, like in, in a way it becomes so much of our, our norm that it becomes just the expectation. Well, that's just what life is like, you know, that we don't then see... Something yeah, like a lack justice. of awareness of just how good we have it because it's our normal. Yeah, as yeah. as inflation ramps up over the next, I, I'm not I'm not even going to prognosticate how long <laughs> or how much, but as as inflation ramps up, we'll we'll start to see how you know how lucky people continue to feel. Yeah, um, mm. some people will not be able to pay their mortgages. As um, we start looking back on the uh, early two thousands as the good old days. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and and so you know we, we'll we'll see. I, 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 it's going to be really important that that Australians understand we're part of a global scheme of things. So there's 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 limits to what our politicians can do. That they you know 
they, they sign up to global treaties, they're part of global markets. Mm. You know, that, that, that's, that's swirling around. And, and politicians are, are, are in, in my experience, far less humble than they should be. Mm. Um, you know, even, even just all, all through politics in Australia now, there's just a, there's just a, a lack of a humble acceptance that we don't know everything, we can't cure everything. You know, the last election was, was a classic. You know, both sides of politics was going to fix things. Mm. There's mm. no fixing things. There's there's levers you can pull, and you can pull them softly or hardly. But you know, mm. <laughs> um, it, 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 the whole of politics is an awkward in between. Mm. The yeah. whole of it is that it's just it, everybody's trying to 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 you know. I, I know a lot of politicians now, and they're all trying to do the right thing. They're all they're all good people. They're all well motivated and stuff. Um, uh, yeah, no, just just some humble might be. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the interesting things too that is possibly you know, lingering on from modernity is that the the language of politics in a way always seems to need to be language of certainty. You know, mm. like it it seems almost as if like it would be a faux pas for a politician to get up and say, "Look, we're going to try this, but we mm. can't guarantee it's going to work." Or we'd like to do this, or we think this, but it may you know like it almost seems it has to be a definitive. We will do this. We can you know and 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 promise things that. Anybody sitting there, you know, with a degree of critical thinking, we can't actually promise that. No. That's, that's outside of your control. And yet the crowd seems to want that certainty, right? And right. we talk about certainty in other areas. There's yes. this kind of human desire for certainty and uncomfortableness with, uh, with, with, with uncertainty. Yeah. We want that certainty. If they don't give it to us on well, they don't really know what they're doing. We won't vote for them, you know, because they're being honest enough to say that they can't guarantee. Mm. I, I, I can assure you that people who do politics for a day job would tell you exactly the same thing, mm. that, that if we don't project, yeah. project utter certainty, confidence. utter yeah. confidence, um, and what can you really be com- that confident about? Yeah. I mean, if, if you just – I mean, one of the, one of the, the few – absolutely numerical promises in the last election campaign mm. was a $275 reduction in our power bills. Mm. I mean, that's insane to promise. Mm. That, that literally unless the, the government is going to put its hand in its pocket and, and give people 275 and say that's off your power bill, which is a nonsense way of thinking yeah. about it. It, it. There is no way you could have promised that. Um, but, it, you know, it carries, it carries just an incredible amount of weight. Yeah, they're, they're really... You know, um, it's concrete. It's concrete, tangible. Two seventy-five. Okay, money yeah. in my pocket. Yes, yeah, money in my pocket. Yeah, that's two seventy-five in my pocket. Mm. And and that's what I wonder, as far as getting back to that thought, is that like, I think that some of that mindset that needs a leader that dis like, that displays certainty, because you're right, and I think you know, there's probably heaps of market research that goes into well, what message do we take and what people want mm. that I think is lingering from modernity and may still linger for quite some time. Mm. But I do start to wonder now whether or not um, younger generations coming through start to actually look at people that are too certain in how they approach with a degree of scepticism and that it may be, you know, that that kind of messaging and that sort of leadership might be something that's starting to taper off mm. and having a less of an effect across, that it may have once upon a time. Across so many different spheres, experts are being trusted less and less. Mm. Um, you know, I'm an expert at the development of new pharmaceuticals. So when mm. it came to the COVID vaccine, I put a post on LinkedIn about how we got the COVID vaccine so quickly without taking shortcuts. On LinkedIn, it got seventy thousand views and widely wow. praised, and it was, was yeah, you know, one of those one of those little moments where something goes slightly viral. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure seventy thousands viral in the modern <laughs> world. But anyway, I, I was pretty proud. I was watching the numbers yeah, tick over. Um, I put the same thing on Facebook. Shit show. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Literal literal shit show, and and I'm literally an expert at that thing. Yeah. That, that's yes. The one thing I know more about than you know almost anybody. Yeah. And 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 on. LinkedIn, you know, an ex-boss who's led global development programs put, nice summary. Yeah. Um, the Endeavour Foundation, through a contact, used it for their internal communications. Yeah, mm. so, so on one side of my life, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm an expert. <laughs> yeah, being humble about that as well. But on the other side, um, it was just a shit show. Yeah. Even, even, my, even my wife got kind of drawn in and, and it, was, it was just – 
terrible. The, 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 and I, I, I don't think I deleted it, but I, I probably should have just as soon as I saw it going wrong. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, it's happened out. <laughs> but Joe Rogan says. <laughs> um, Joe, Joe is a guy who I've listened to for, for just I, – I, I started listening to podcasts when they, they kind of first became a thing. So you're going, you're going back quite a long way. Um, and Joe Rogan's always been a guy who just asks questions. Yeah. Um, so, so not, you know, it's not a defense or a, 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 a apology for, for Joe or anything, but I've listened to a hundred of his podcasts mm. over the years and they're just long form conversations. And yeah. I, I admire that thing that he does. Um, you know, and he, he, he gets on people who are, yeah, have, have, have ideas. Um, he had a guy on called Rupert Sheldrake. Mm. Um, he's, he's, you can look him up. I, I won't even try and explain what he, he's on to. Um, basically, the idea that the dog knows you're coming no matter where you're coming from or what time you're coming, the dog right. will be waiting at the front door because yeah. we're all connected. Yeah, okay. Distributed consciousness thing. Um, but, but Joe interviewed him and it was, you know, a, a proper respectful conversation. Um, and, and Joe got no kickback at all for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the people who have questioned the COVID vaccines are actually people, if you look at their background, and, and one of the ladies who was um, in there, I actually knew her name before the COVID thing because she does think all meta-analyses. Um, so I, I kind of knew her name before the thing, and then she went, she, she couldn't have been more opposite in her opinion about what the COVID vaccines, how safe they were and all mm. that stuff. And, and I, I, I couldn't believe I was listening to an expert mm, with yes. that opinion. Um, and so, you know, we, 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 we're just going to lose this expert mm-hmm. thing. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, but that's because we're all too certain. All, yeah. the, all the experts are too certain. People, people might buy it politically, but I don't know how much longer. You, you, you may be right that it's it, you know, the, 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 the postmodern youth of the world, mm. um, they, they, they may kind of, just not buy that. Mm, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, be interesting. Interesting to see where we go with uh, with sitting comfortably in uncertainty, which I guess is you know, part of what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I've certainly I've said before. I think you know there are certainly times when I look at my kids and their friends, that next generation, mm-hmm. and have just a little bit more hope for the world. Yeah, just, yeah. Mine, mine are twenty one and twenty two, and you know they're both working full time jobs mm. now, and I couldn't be prouder. Yeah, um, yeah. They they don't share all of my my thoughts about the world for mm-hmm. sure, but I've brought them up not to be assholes and, and yeah. you know, that's, that's all we can do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, you were talking about fundamentalism before. And I find that just a really interesting, you know, being opposed to fundamentalism in all its forms. <laughs> I'm fundamentally um, opposed to <laughs> fundamentalism. It's <laughs> the one thing I'm sure of. <laughs> but that really resonates. In a humble way. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, wasn't it? I can't tolerate Christians because of their intolerance. That's right. <laughs> but no, that really resonates for me because when I, uh, you know, it's been a, I don't know, eight, 10-year journey for me mm. um, since probably my uh, more conservative Christian beliefs started to shift in a significant mm. way. Um, it, but what I noticed looking back is that the kind of the first stage of that was that I started to just change my opinion on issues. Mm. You know, so I used to go, oh, all gays are bad, they're going to hell. Um, and I, you know, I changed my mind and mm. came to a place where I went, actually, no, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> um, and I don't think God, th- if there's a God, I don't think he thinks that either. Um, <laughs> that, that's a really interesting one because when I was leaving church, um, I was young and stupid. <laughs> and, and so I remember in church one day kind of going, well, the Bible says gay people are bad, so surely surely we should be doing something about that. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, then I, I sort of left church, didn't think about much, and then became a, a more militant um, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris kind of atheist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then those questions all sort of flooded back, and, mm. and I'm, I'm kind of stuck with the idea that the, the you know people argue about what the Bible says and doesn't say, mm. um, and you know I'm, I'm no theologian, but if the Bible says something. 
as a Christian, you don't really get to to dance around that. You have to kind of. I mean, Seventh Day Adventists believe the Bible is the inerrant truth yes. of God. Mm. Yeah. Um, so as, as Seventh Day Adventists, you don't get to dance around that so much. So mm. that, that's where mm. it becomes difficult. It's fundamentalism. It's yes. It's, yeah. This is true. But what was interesting, I guess, for me, I came to a place where I realised that I had arrived at a place of pretty much hating the people who were who I used to be mm. as much as I used to hate the people that I now was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all I'd really done is changed my mind on some issues. Yeah. I'd ch- I go, okay, no, that's I don't believe that anymore. I don't think anyone's going to hell forever. Yeah. Uh, but I was as angry at the people who... I used to be mm. as I had once been at, and, at me now yeah. and, and realised, okay, so I haven't really changed at all except in a few opinions. Mm. I'm still this fundamentalist yeah. uh, that can't engage in conversation, that doesn't ha- have any tools for, for gracious discussion mm. and debate and disagreement. Yeah. Um, I just have some different opinions. Big deal. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And it's a journey from there has continued. You see, it's talking about being young and stupid. I'm looking forward to whenever that changes for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're no longer young, is it? Yeah. Well, that's right. Now I'm just stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't say that. Um, and, and remembering that, that those distinctions still fall within a really narrow band of, of the entire cultural ways of being in mm. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you're, you're, you're falling within a, a Judeo-Christian framework, mm, which Australia very still, still very yeah. much is. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of um, – there's the, the, the sort of the British influence here, which, which seeps through the, the, the more, you know, lately emerging American influence. But if you go to rural Philippines mm. – Actually, they've got the American influence there. It's a bad, bad, <laughs> a bad choice of, of place, having having been there a lot. But but yeah, the the world the world has you know we're we're talking about you know thirty degrees in the three hundred and sixty that makes yeah. up where people aren't the even asking world. the same questions, yeah, let alone yeah. coming to the same answers. Yeah, the people yeah. in South Sudan don't don't dwell on any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they got to survive first, sort of thing. Um, yeah, which is something I think we touched on one of our early episodes was that exact fact that even just the fact that we sit around here having this conversation, drinking beer or whatever, is very much yeah, thinking that oh yeah, we're, we're somehow being meta, our, our own you know, mm. stepping outside of our experience, being white middle aged. Yeah, you know, yeah. That in doing that, we are being essentially what we already are. It, it is an expression of our privilege that yeah, we yeah. even care, you know, <laughs> so care, I, care I, to have these conversations. I was on the way to the the. Um, LNP convention the other day, mm. and and um, I always try and engage with. Uh, I was in an Uber, and I, was, I always try and engage with, with you yeah. know. Um, actually, just to, to quickly sidestep, mm. good friend of mine asked me the other day. I was, I was in an airport, and we were messaging back and forth. And he said, "Do you make do you, do you make connections with people in airports?" And I went, "Yeah, all the time." And then I went, "Except for when I'm wearing a mask, and they're wearing a mask." Mm. Anyway, so that was mm. a side point. Anyway, so talking to this. Um, with this uh, Uber driver, he was Ethiopian, had been here for about eight years, and it was. Um, and I mentioned, he said, "You know, where, where are you off to today?" And I, I talked about the, the the children who don't have, you know, second fa- the opportunity mm, for second mm. family and all that stuff. And he was amazed because Ethiopia is a place where a lot of Australians have adopted children from mm, in the past. Yes, but it's it's just dried up under current policy. Um, so we're, we're talking about that. And he said, you know the amazing thing about elections here in Australia? And I went, no. He said, it's not the election day, it's the day after. Nobody gets killed. Yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> he said, no, mm. nobody, you know, just, just there's this, I can't remember the words he used, but the orderly transition of power, which we, we just take completely yeah. for granted, just completely for granted yeah. that senior public servants don't have to be killed so you can implement the new policy kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, just, just amazing to 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 you know to think how narrow our our, our view becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, the street we lived on in Malaysia, um, the year I was born, so I wasn't born in that street, but but when I was born here, there was um, intertribal warfare in the street. You know, mm-hmm. people were being killed over you know whether they were Chinese or Malay, basically. Wow. Um, and so you know, that 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 sort of brings it home a bit. We we kind of have problems in Australia probably, but but in in the three hundred and sixty degrees of problems in the world, we mm. you know and we get get to sit on the couch and drink beer and talk about and it. Drink beer and talk about it. Yeah, which is fascinating. 
What what was it that took you to Malaysia in the first place? Um, actually, it was Singapore first. My my wife um has a, a really interesting sort of uh, background, but she was working for Hewlett Packard. Mm. Um, and um, when we got married, we'd talked about you know working overseas. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. She worked for you know the, the IT industry, and um, so she went into work and and just took a look on the job boards and literally it wasn't very long and we were sort of deciding whether to go to the US or Singapore. Um, so we decided to go to Singapore um, and ended up after going there for, you know, a couple of years, see what happens, you know, 10 years, had children. Mm-hmm. Our, our first son was born there, our second son we adopted there. Um, and then I was literally at a scientific conference um, and the guy in front of me on the buffet line just lunch, buffet line. Mm. We started chatting. Again, going back to that, you know, um, it's, it's, a, it's a world for extroverts, really. <laughs> um, and um, we started chatting, and it turned out that he had a whole bunch of intellectual property that was really interesting, and I had the knowledge of what to do with it. And so we just started chatting, had lunch. Um, I helped him with some ideas, and, and, you know, it wasn't many more months later, and I was resigning from my job so we could you know, do this company thing, mm. chasing around the world for venture capital. And eventually, you know, years later, <laughs> um, got uh, got the venture capital and started a company and, and it was based in Malaysia because that was a more efficient place to build lab space and one of the investors was Malaysian. So it's it sort of all, yeah. So that was a, a, yeah, that was an incredibly interesting sort of experience. Yeah, yeah. wow. And was there anything like what? What sort of things from the I guess from the Malay culture um, did you observe and, and in some ways um, transform? I guess your own experience of what life was like when you suddenly you know became more involved and, and, and uh, yeah invested in yeah in the culture outside of as as an Australian moving so you first moved to Singapore where English is widely spoken so we started learning Mandarin but realised we didn't need to mm. um, you 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 work out. A couple of things pretty quickly, and it takes a long time to, to bed them into your, your your habits. You speak a little slower. English is a is, is a in Singapore particularly is a really well spoken but second language. Um, it's kind of getting to be first first language there now. I don't want to. I don't want my Singapore friends to hear this and think <laughs> they can all speak English fine. Um, but then you, you the, the humour doesn't translate. Mm. So, so you, you have to, you have to kind of, and 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 you're telling these jokes, and and, and you're getting sort of blank faces, and and it, it's really difficult at first. Um, but then, as an expatriate in in a country, you can try and delve into the culture as much as you like. But I found the same when I moved back to Brisbane. It's just really hard when you haven't lived somewhere. You don't have all those connections. And it's even you know across the cultures and uh, you know and and Malaysia it was a bit further across the cultures so it was really hard to to get involved locally. Um, all our friends were were expatriates. The ones that were Malaysian had lived in Australia or or married a, a, a somebody from a Western country um, or Japanese because um, there were expatriates there as well. Um, uh, so yeah, so so it was it was harder to involve yourself in the local culture than than it it you would think, um, and and as, as especially I, I found that you know overall not not great because I I really wanted to you know be out and about and but yeah it's interesting because um and and in some ways having that experience I guess gives you a bit of an insight at least some degree of empathy of when somebody's migrating from overseas over to say. Australia and suddenly having that experience of going, oh, you know, like I, I, in, in my work, um, I work in aged care during the day. And so I often meet people, you know, from all, all different walks of life, but in their latter years. And I met somebody recently who had migrated from South America mm. and, and you know, was here in Australia. And again, like yourself, very extroverted. So having mm. connection and interaction with people all the time was really important to them. But to suddenly come to a country where you don't speak the native tongue of that particular country was very isolating for this yeah. person and this sense of, you know, I, I just I just can't go into the shop and just start striking up a conversation yeah. with the person next 
they don't speak the same language. Um, you, you find, and the place that becomes most acute is with wait staff in a restaurant, mm. where you, you, I mean, you guys may not realize how much that interaction is just casual, and you know, if there's a story, there's a story, you know, whatever. Um, when when you go somewhere else, it's you know they, they they will wait on your table and and it's really hard to to just make friends and because because mm. your humor doesn't work you're speaking too fast still you know after mm. after sixteen years <laughs> I was still speaking too fast yep. um so yeah so you get this this real uh, there's a, a real barrier and I I, I have just the, the the highest regard for migrants who who come to a place and and you know, make it stick. That's that's just an amazing story. I mean, we were we're expatriates, um, in in the sense that when this was over, we were going back to Australia, yeah. mm-hmm. and and that kind of came when the company I was running was sold and the kids were middle high school. So it was a you know, we're able to do that in an orderly kind of fashion. Um, but migrants don't have that escape route. They you know they buy mm. a one way ticket, they go somewhere, they believe it's going to be better. Um, and going back to the compared to where, where do people in the world want to migrate to? Our backyard. Why, why is that? Because <laughs> yeah. compared to everywhere else, it's pretty bloody good. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so, so we, we should, um, you know, we should welcome migrants and, and, and refugees are a, a kind of a migrant. I mean, they, they, they come here um, because they have, you know, shit going on at home and, and they – apply and they get to come to australia and and um yeah no we we, we should we should really just open our arms as, as wide as we can yeah no, 100 percent agree i think you know that's one of the great things about you know yes having a country that has that sort of prosperity and whatever but the, you know being able to look at going but that's not just something for, for us here as australians that's something for us as humans to be able to share with humanity as a whole whereas i, I guess yeah some of that um, you know, and not so much political mindset, but just that conservative scarcity mindset where people go, oh, we've got this wealth and we need to protect it from other mm. people rather than mm. using it to share and better um, the situation. With yeah, other people it, that, it's, it's not quite a zero-sum game no. and there are, there are, you know, it's not hard to look around Australia and see there are some jobs that you know, migrants yep. do, um, mm. Uber drivers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I they're, they're, I mean, I don't even need to say anything. Just mm. they're, they're, that's 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 that. I mean, it's clear who drives Ubers yeah. in Australia, mm-hmm. um, and so and that's the same all around the world. Taxi drivers mm. all around the world are, are quite often recent migrants. Mm. It's, it's it's a it's a safety net kind of a job in some yeah. way. Not even sure that was the right way to put it, but that you know, yeah. I've travelled the world pretty extensively, yeah, and yeah. taxi drivers are almost. In Western countries, are almost always uh, you know, recent immigrants, mm. um, but there, there is there is limits. You know, that's one of those policy levers we're talking about. For you can pull it hard or you can pull it soft. Um, Australia's always pulled the immigration lever pretty pretty hard. Mm. Um, we've we've put limits on who can just immigrate, um, and you know, it's doctors and lawyers and such from whatever that song is. Don't let you. Cowboys grow up to be, what's that song? Don't don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> let them be lawyers. And anyway, um, so that that's been you know that's been sort of bipartisan policy for forever. Mm. And the refugee intakes through the normal you know the the refugee kind of global means. Um, we've we've got bipartisan policy on people who just turn up. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so so you know we, it's not a zero sum game, but we should welcome migrants. Yeah. So t- tell us more about the transition of going from like a, a Seventh Day Adventist, you know, upbringing and whatever, and being quite involved there, and then moving to a, a position where you've said before, you know, and you're an atheist right now. What what sort of were there questions and things like? Was that quite? Was that ever a, a difficult or a um, traumatic kind of transition, or was it fairly straightforward? How, how did that um, amount? At, at a logistics level, I was able to be living at home, wake up one morning and go, I'm not going to church anymore. Mm-hmm. I was 
was probably late 17, early 18, something like that. You know, mm-hmm. so, I, I, you know, I was, um, and a lot of disappointment and prayer, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but in, in the end, my parents are pragmatic people. They, they love me and, and always have and, and always will. Regardless, regardless of that, so so that was one of the not awkward in betweens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that came back when we adopted Rigo. Mm. They accepted him entirely as their grandchild. Mm. And my eldest son Nicholas is gay. Mm-hmm. Max, his partner, gets a big hug when they see him. Mm. You know, they're, they're just completely accepting. Yeah. Um, so so that's that's good. Um, so that wasn't an awkward in between. Whereas it is for for, for many people leaving. Yeah leaving so that was okay um the the bigger impact and and i started a new job about four or five months ago and thought to myself okay this is the job that i change where i don't mention under any circumstances that i was brought up seventh day venice mm. it's not going to come up and and all of a sudden it is it did and yeah. and and it, it'll be around you know prawns will get ordered yes. and <laughs> and they're unclean food and, and so i grew up not eating prawns um, I'll drink. Somebody will say, "Oh, you drink really fast." Yeah, I'm sitting here with a, an empty <laughs> glass, and everybody else has got a full one. Um, and and that's because I didn't start drinking till I was fully adult. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and had no, you know, just uh, hadn't grown up with it. Did all the did all the stupid drunk sixteen year old stuff when I was you know mm-hmm. much older. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it just keeps coming up because childhood dominates the the adults we become Mm -hmm. it goes back to my interest in those those twelve thousand kids who without without love and discipline don't you know their their chances of becoming functional fully formed adults is is less Mm -hmm. so yeah it's funny because the 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 one thing that that draws me into politics is always the thing that when i talk about it and i i I talk about it a lot people go so depressing <laughs> you know 12,000 kids that's a lot of kids and 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 so why can't they go home because they were abused and neglected so much mm-hmm. that the state who is a terrible parent felt the need to reach in and, and pull them out of their families yeah that that's really bad mm. um something something's gone wrong somewhere that that there, there's that many um and that's that's you know the, the tip of an iceberg to to use that that's stupid metaphor um <laughs> it's interesting that so getting back to, to good parenting then because it sounds like your parents themselves then are actually quite you know like amazing people mm. irrespective and I, I was adopted as a child so right, right. so <laughs> adopted as a child adopted as an adult yes. I, i'm an adoptee and an adopter yes yeah. um so that that was that was you know that that's they're, they're not unrelated and um yeah so um no my parents uh, are just fantastic they they're pragmatic they they valued education um my my sister's um a theater nurse so she's also had the benefit of you know education and, and mm. stuff yeah um when when i left church they respected that decision which and, and they're still heavily involved in church you know, yeah so. and, and that was going to be my, my my question i guess was whether or not that was the case because obviously between yourself and your parents there's a fantastic relationship that's happening there and then there's you know obviously with your children then and your parents yeah. as well what do you see is is able to facilitate because on one hand you've got people that in you know i guess broader spheres like if you look at the media and whatever and how you know, people that are fundamentalist Christians and people that are fundamentalist atheists or whatever, or you know, all these different groups seem quite hostile or are portrayed as hostile towards one another. But in your family, you've got various groups of you know, mm. sexual orientation, cultural backgrounds, you know, religious beliefs, all getting together. Why can't we all just get along? <laughs> um, and what, and for me, for me, that 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 you know, why can't we all just get along? Um, it rings true because I'm not sure why we can't. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, the, to, to me, that's that's the, the fundamental problem in the world. Why, you know, why mm. can't we all just get along? Mm. Um, I'd like you whether I liked your songs or not. Right. Um, <laughs> um, it, it, it really is the fundamental question and I, 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 I don't have the answer, of, no. of course, but talking about it, it's a good, good way to get the, you know, good, good way to, maybe get to an answer yeah um uh, i mean i i 
Like, what, what, what do conversations look like? At your, like, if you're getting around for Christmas and, you know, you've got you and your family and, you know, all, all coming together, how, how do you converse with each other? What does um, that interaction even look like? So before meals, there's grace. Yeah. We all hold hands and, and one of mum or dad says grace. They know not to ask any of us because that's not our, it's not our gig. Yeah. Their house, we respect that. Yeah. Um, mm. When they're at our house for Christmas, they no, no, well, no, no, they, they, we we do grace as well. <laughs> um, great, you know that that's yeah, grace is nice. Yeah, um, you know, I, it's no no problems for me. I don't get hung up about it. I'd, I'd get hung up about it, I suppose, if they didn't accept either of my sons or yeah. or mm. that kind of thing. You know, then mm. then 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 they but they don't, so I don't have to deal with that. It's great. You know, it's really. Fantastic that that's the case for me. Yeah, um, I can have empathy for, for you know I can I can understand how it would be just a shit fight for everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if your parents don't accept you, then that's that's got to be the hardest thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's what's that about? I mean, that's that's really hard, and it happens all over the world. It does. It happens in all 360 degrees of, of culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it'll be about the, the race of the boyfriend. It'll be about the choice of job. It'll oh. be about you not respecting the religion. It'll be there, – there's a thousand things that, that it, it, that'll yeah. break it. But, uh, I, but in, in my lucky instance, my sister and I have a really good relationship with my parents, even though none of us share their, their kind of particular religious beliefs. So. Mm. Um. Yeah, so I, I I I always feel a bit um, embarrassingly naive about some of that stuff because I you know it it's worked for me. I'm not sure whether it's you know I'm not sure for other people what that's like. Yeah, I, I'm curious because it, it it feels like a lot of the what we call our awkward in between spaces that Damien and I have navigated or are navigating. That have in no small part led to us doing the podcast. Mm. Um, have you've had such a different experience of, you know, with your family? Yeah. Uh, even in politics, that one really interests me because I actually just find it so hard to believe that you can be in that, you know, and you're kind of like, oh, in Australia, most people just want to get along. I'm like, which, which people are you hanging out yeah, with? Yeah. And I'm wondering, do you think, have you just been lucky? <laughs> Or, um, yeah, no, or, or is it the fruit actually of how you navigate spaces where you find yourself coming up against what could be those awkward in between? Um, yeah, and no, I think I think I think it's it's a lot of the latter. Um, the the degree of I'm going to use the word grace, but that's a very religiously charged word. The degree <laughs> of grace I've found in my life, um, the the opportunities I've had the personality I was given to be able to, to take those opportunities, you know, that all that, uh, if I can't extend that to, to everybody else, mm. to, to the right or left of me, to use the Australian political mm-hmm. jargon, mm-hmm. I, I hate right and left, but, you know, um, if I can't extend it both directions, then what kind of asshole would I be? Right. Um, and that comes to another point I've, I've got down on there. So if diversity is an unalloyed good, Mm. There's a place for us, yeah. Yeah, us, us three white middle aged. There's there's a place for us, but there's also a place for the grumpy one nation yeah. guy living two doors down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it my my life in politics extended through to running for the seat of Bilimba in the 2020 state election. Okay, the our local member was the minister for child safety, so it it, it just made sense to, to to take that story directly to to her electorate. Mm. Um, I'm not a professional politician, so that, that didn't work. Uh, but anyway, um, but in in that process, the guy who ran for One Nation in Bilimba, he was a plumber. He was 76, been running his own business for 43 years. He spent four years in Beijing building the Australian embassy up there. Um, was very typical of what we think of you know one nation is a bit bellicose guys you know a bit gruff um but if diversity is a thing there's got to be a place for him too mm-hmm. um I, I doubt doug's listening to this but um but yeah at, right through to you know um 
my kids. I hope there's a place for them mm. in, in all their, their, the ways they live in the world. Um, you know, I hope there's a place for us. I hope there's a place for, I hope there's a place for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that, that right left thing, if I can't extend, um, if I can't extend the same appreciation that people have different views than I have both directions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what I find most disturbing about the left in Australia, the, the, you know, the greens, for instance, they, they are fundamentalists. They, they don't extend that courtesy. Yep. Mm. They're, they're barely able to negotiate after they've been elected by, you know, they're, they're, they're represented. They're barely able to negotiate a, a, a thing like, a climate change bill. Yeah. Mm. That that's a stretch. Cuz they feel like the the you know the world's going to end if we don't get to their particular target. Yeah. Um and so so if if I can't extend my um openness both directions mm. then I I'd feel like I'd be failing. Mm. And so many people in my party um you know are on on the right of me I suppose. Um but that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. That, that there's the full diversity of Australians. That the, the last government was a Liberal National Coalition government. Mm. That means the majority of Australians are sitting on that side of of some, you know, imaginary merry, line. Merry, yeah, imaginary line. They're, but they're but they're 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 on that personal responsibility. They they want people to, you know, that 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 slogan. It's a stupid slogan, but it's a, it's a it's one that 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 sort of points the way to this. The best form of welfare is a job. Mm. So that that comes from, you know, my side of politics, I suppose. Yep. But the fact that it was so viciously derided tells me everything I need to know about the the the, the openness of of the left mm. to, um, you know, when when I read the comments in in. I, I try to be off social media more than I'm on it nowadays. Mm. Um, but um, somebody talking about the New South Wales Liberal government, which is the duly elected government of the state of New South Wales, um, was using words like traitorous. Um, uh, it was just there's this whole whole tirade of words, and and if if they think that about the duly elected government of a state. Which doesn't happen by accident. No, it's not like it's not like we, we toss a coin and and mm. you know oh, you guys got it this time. Um, it's because people vote for them, yeah. and we have the fairest and freest elections in the world. Um, then you know um, I'm not sure. And people on you know people on the, the right hand side of politics don't don't extend that courtesy either. Yep. And so the conversations are, are harder and harder to have. And that seems to me, and I, I'm not super into politics. You know, I. But uh, I'd like to say me neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to make to make change, you kind of I'd say the least yeah. of us You've in the room. Pick, pick but, a battle. Uh, yeah. But but it just it just all seems so broken. And we were talking about it before that whole idea that you have to present as utterly confident on every issue, mm. which is driven. I think it's driven by us. Yeah. You know, ultimately, I'm part of the us. Yeah. That drives that expectation, and if you don't, sh- you know, present in that way, well, you're out already. Because yeah. we want that confident, certain yeah. leader. How do how do we how do we even begin? Whether it's one on one, let alone as a country, as a country, to try to to try to shift that desperate need for certainty, which leaves whether it's on Facebook, mm. you know, the shit fight on your Facebook yeah, posts, yeah, yeah, no, I've, uh, I've, or some of my Facebook posts over the years, although there was. Certainly not seventy thousand responses, but uh, thank God. But um, you know, so it's on Facebook or whether it's in Parliament, you know, um, where you just have angry people on opposite sides of the room, basically yelling at each other yeah. and not listening, not hearing, not really talking about the issues. Yeah. Just going, oh no, you're wrong, and if you think that, then we'll think the opposite. Yeah. So my my new federal member is a guy called Max Chandler Mather. Yeah. He's right. green. Green. Yeah. Um, he's not really ever done a day job, so you know I, I 
I, I think politics should be inhabited by people who actually bring experience to the parliament. But anyway, yeah, sorry yeah. about that, Max. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is what you would call a career politician. He, right? he is, yeah. is, is everything that's wrong with Australian politics. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Max. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but he stood up in parliament, first, first sort of thing, and he gave his maiden speech. Well, they're not called maiden speeches anymore. Um, anyway, he gave that speech. Then the, the, the very next interaction he had in parliament was with somebody from my side of politics criticising him for not having a tie on. Mm. Now, Max is not a guy who would wear a tie in, in – he didn't wear – he didn't dress up for the campaign. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at Damien and seeing sort of Max in, in, in some sort of sense. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't dress up for the campaign. He had to buy a suit to even mm-hmm. go to parliament. And, and I couldn't have been more pleased that, that he, he held that one little – rebellious mm. thing mm. and i couldn't have been more displeased that somebody from my side of politics would would call him out on it yeah. because he was up speaking about homelessness mm. right that's the thing that drives max yeah mm. um and so i i i kind of could imagine if i had of one in 2020 getting into the queensland parliament standing up and having somebody criticize something about the way i was dressed yeah, I, I'm an old enough guy. I just wear a tie, and I, you know, I, <laughs> I can't claim any moral reason not to. But but I couldn't imagine talking about those twelve thousand kids mm-hmm. and having somebody, you know. So you know, cheers to Max. But you know, um, we'll we'll see where it goes. But that that's just part of the. We've got to get over that. Yeah. That that that, mm. that that's just the most terrible interaction. Yeah, I can think of in the parliament where we sent, yeah, you know, we we put all our hopes and aspirations with them. Um, maybe that's overstating it a bit, but but we we send them. We would off. love to be able to. Yeah, yeah, we, we we send them off, and then and then that stuff sort of happens. Um, yeah, I mean, we do put faith in these people yeah. to, to make decisions and, and govern our country in a way that's going to be you know beneficial for all of us. And yeah. yet, when they're getting hung up on exactly like you know, you've got one person getting up pointing out a, a social issue. But I think for most of us, we're saying that's a concerning issue. Mm-hmm. Well, regardless of whether we agree on the solutions, we it, go, yeah. well, it's, it, it that's terrible, let's fix yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and then to have somebody else, you know, someone else who's an elected official make it about wearing a tie or not in parliament, is, you know, like that, that does destroy your, not so much, yeah, again, destroy is probably too strong a word, but it, it causes a sense of grief. Yeah. And what it is that is really important then to the people that we've elected to, and worse than that, I think it 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 drives the sort of cynicism where we don't go to an election very hopeful a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, we go cynically yeah. going, "Oh, geez, it'd and, be and, nice if it was different this time." And we don't go talking about the actual issues. Um, so one of the biggest issues in Australia at the moment is ambulance ramping. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, my wife's a theatre nurse, so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah my sister's a, yeah, a theatre yeah. nurse, yeah. So you better explain that term to me. I'm um, ambulance rampings where an ambulance turns up at a hospital and can't dislodge the patient. There's no, there's no capacity in the hospital for that. Um, and so various solutions are proffered by either side. You know, it's, it's a really complex – I mean, it's – we're, we're, we're stuck in such complex issues sometimes that it's, it's, it's unbelievable how hard it is to do it. Mm. But at the base of it, we won't talk about the general health of Australians mm. right. as, as, a, as, a, as a thing. So you know, two things can be true at once. Mm-hmm. If you eat less and exercise more, you lose weight. You have to. I mean, yeah. But it's also true that it's complex yeah. for some people to eat less, exercise yeah. more. So the two, are, the, the two are true at once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no side of politics is, is willing to, to take on the root cause. Mm. You know, we, we spend more and more money on health care. Yeah. We get poorer and poorer outcomes. But, yeah, just, just that. I, I develop drugs for a living and so I'm forever typing the market for this drug is increasing because – People won't look after themselves. I mean, that, that's mm, the, the most mm. terrible way to put it. But yeah, but but you know, when when we just in in general, people are just getting less and less healthy. Um, yeah. Exercise, diet—they're all important things. Um, sleep, water—you know. So so, but but because people want certainty, mm-hmm. you know, we will spend X million dollars more, or we will employ twenty-seven thousand new nurses, or whatever the whatever the 
policy fix is. Yeah. It's a policy fix. It's not a, well, there's all this stuff we've got to work together on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, but, but, but my friends who do politics for a day job assure me that um, you, you, 27,000 new nurses will win you the election. Right. We've got to work together on this doesn't. Yeah, yeah. No, at, yeah. at some extremes of, of, of oh, kinds no, of yeah. ways of saying it. Yeah. Mm. Which is ironic because you know, one of the things you talked about, that, you know, you're passionate about, or, you know, that more is an instilled value is that sense of personal responsibility mm. and yet that sense that, oh, you know, there's a solution, but we all need to actually make some degree of sacrifice or some degree of change to be able to make this happen. Mm. As you say, it doesn't win elections for people. You know, yeah. we want to know. Party no, that says that doesn't get a chance to implement it. I, the voter, don't have to do anything, and you fix the problem. That's the one I'll vote for. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. No, I, I have no no solution for for that. But that, that's at the base. The that's base. A shame. Of I it. was hopeful just for a yeah, moment yeah. we might be <laughs> yeah. able to just right here tonight <laughs> solve. The three of us could have won the, the Nobel Peace Prize if yep. we could have figured that one out. Uh, you see, we're only, we're only you know, a beer, one beer in. We're, we're That's still the problem, beer, yeah. You know, in two beers' time, we'll have everything. What a great chat. It's so great yes. meeting you. Yeah, no, no, great. We didn't even get to talk about music very much. Oh, no, no. <laughs> we can do that off record. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Orchid In Between. My pleasure.